cross destroy the power of death and hell and the grave. On the cross, we were forgiven. On the cross, we were healed. On the cross, we were delivered. On the cross, we went from hell bound to heaven bound on the cross and because of the cross. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. One of the greatest acts of obedience to God ever done was accomplished by Jesus Christ when he obeyed God all the way to death, the death of the cross. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thank you for joining us this time. Today we're continuing the series, Our King Has Come, with a look at Jesus' incredible life of obedience culminating in his death on the cross. You know, Jesus lived a life of obedience to the Heavenly Father like no one else. His whole life was an example of dying to himself and living for God's will. But truly stunning obedience manifested at the end of Christ's life when he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the terrible death on the cross. We know that he struggled with this end in the Garden of Gethsemane, but even that struggle ended with the words, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So let's take a look today at Jesus' incredible obedience and what it means for you and me in this special Christmas message. I'll never fathom how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know this side of heaven how much it costs. And that's absolutely true. We won't. We'll never fully grasp it. What it costs him to go from there to here. But we do know some things because God gave us the Bible and gave us revelation so we can know some of what happened. And so let me just share three things with you out of that last verse. First, we're told that Jesus humbled himself. That's why we use the word condescended. He descended. He didn't ascend. He descended. He came from a high place to a low place. And he humbled himself. Now, when I say the word humble, you might think that that sounds weak, like we do with meekness. The word meekness, when we say somebody's meek, we immediately associate it with weak. We say meek is weak. If they're meek, they're weak. And we don't understand that if you're meek, you're stronger than somebody who's not meek. Because meekness means strength held back, strength in reserve. Meekness means I could, but I won't. Humility is the same way. We hear that somebody's humble, and we say, um, well, then that must mean they're down on themselves and don't think much of themselves, and they're always walking around staring at the ground and won't look you in the eye. They're humble. And we associate it with negative self-image, but it's not that at all. Humility, like meekness, is strength. The more humble you are, the more like God you are. Humble, humility means to be made low, to assign a lower rank or place. That's what it means. Now, here's the deal. Jesus accepted a lower rank 
than what he deserved as God. He accepted a lower rank. He willingly embraced being made low. That's what Jesus did. He condescended to come to us, meaning he descended from a high place to a less formal, less dignified, lower place. He waived the privileges of rank. He had a rank as God, the highest rank possible. He gave it up. He waived the privileges. He didn't cling to it. He didn't hang on to it. He emptied himself of those privileges. He said to his followers, I came down. Notice, he didn't say I went up to come to you. I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So Jesus not only laid aside his heavenly glory to become a man, but once he was a man, he further humbled himself, took lower rank, divested himself of what he had. If you look at the life of Jesus in the Bible, humility was a constant characteristic of Jesus as a man. Think about it. He never sought honor. He was always telling people that he healed. Now, don't go tell anybody what I did. He didn't say, go trumpet it and bring me glory. That wasn't him. He humbled himself. He never sought honor. He did not want to be made a spectacle of. He never tooted his own horn. He never demanded to be made over or served, but he willingly stepped down to the lowest conditions of life. He wrapped himself in skin. He became a man. He felt our pain. He walked with us, talked with us, worked with us, hurt with us. He sweated like a man, was hungry like a man, was tired like a man, wrapped himself in humanity. Having been God... One writer says the Son of God did not proudly continue in his high station, but descended from it for a while, 33 years, and placed himself in the lowest condition among men, serving everyone with the humility of a servant. One night, he took a towel, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And they said, Lord, you shouldn't wash our feet. We should wash yours. And he said, suffer it to be so, for I am giving you an example how you should serve one another. And God literally served Men, who he made, he humbled himself. He took a lower rank and did it all the way for the rest of his life, humbled himself. But then the Bible says from there, he also obeyed. Jesus was obedient unto death. That's why we're here today. That's why there's a Christmas. Now, follow me a minute. Obedience can be said to take place on many levels. A person can easily and cheerfully obey when what they are asked to do is no big deal. It's easy. It doesn't take anything out of them. It's easily done, easy to accomplish. doesn't cost anything. It's easy to obey. Oh, sure, I'll do that. To a superior, you say, sure, I'll do that. That's easy. That's one level of obedience. But then also a person might be required to obey when the request is an inconvenience, when it messes with what you want to do. It's inconvenient. It gets you out of your lazy boy. It gets you out of your comfort zone. Somebody, a superior, asks you to do something that causes you to go out of your way a little bit. And that's a bit harder. That's not as easy as the first one. It's another level of obedience. But obedience is even more difficult when not only is the request inconvenient, 
but it also requires a personal sacrifice of time or finances or physical exertion or maybe even a level of suffering. For you to obey, it's going to take something from you and out of you. That's harder than just, hey, can you hand me a glass of water? But then, you know what? There's another level of obedience all together. As in the case where obedience involves risk and danger to you, to your well-being. As in the police officer who is ordered in a harm's way to make an arrest or to save a citizen from danger, that police officer is exercising a level of obedience that is far removed from the first that I talked about. Because for them to obey, they're in danger. There's way more at stake in this level of obedience. And that's why we honor police officers and we honor the military because a soldier is the same way. A soldier who goes onto the battlefield knows that to obey means not only danger, but maybe the cost of their very life. And they know that. No profounder spirit of obedience can be shown than this, which is why, again, we honor the police and we honor the military. I honor the military. Anytime I meet a serviceman or a servicewoman, I tell them, wherever I am, I say thank you for your service because without you, I'm not free. And I really mean that. And my wife, my sweetheart, Kathy, she got a big stack of Starbucks gift cards, and she gives them to officers. When we run across an officer, and she says, thank you, have a cup of coffee on me because you put your life on the line every day. She does that. I thank them because that level of obedience is heavy. It's big. It's meaningful. But it can also be said that the obedience of the soldier is in many cases not totally voluntary, since if they did not obey, they might be court-martialed and they could be put in prison. So there is a price tag attached if they don't obey. You see, here's why. They're following an order. That level of obedience is the result of being ordered, ordered onto the battlefield, ordered into a crime scene. But Jesus' obedience is higher than the police officer, higher than the soldier, higher than any of them that I've mentioned. You know why? Because Jesus obeyed to the point of death when he was not under orders to do it. Oh, the obedience of Jesus. The incomprehensible obedience of Jesus. See, he didn't have to do what he did. What Jesus did was totally voluntary. He voluntarily obeyed all the way to the cross. Let him speak for himself. He said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. This is what my Father has given me. That's John 10 verse 18. Jesus said, I do what I do voluntarily. I'm not under an order. So in the garden of Gethsemane, when he said, father, if there's any way to take this cup from me, please do it. But there wasn't, there wasn't any other way. Jesus knew that he must obey. He knew that he must obey all the way to the cross. Now he obeyed, but he did it voluntarily because didn't he say, if I wanted to, I could call on 12 legions of angels right now and they would come and they would whisk me out of here and I would not have to face the cross. That's what he said. 
but I do it voluntarily. I do it for you. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus willingly placed himself in the position of a servant to do the will of God and then never, ever shrank from what that position involved all the way to the point of death. Having humbled himself, he voluntarily obeyed. He obeyed when they mocked him. He obeyed when they ridiculed him. He obeyed when they maligned him. He obeyed when they slandered him. He obeyed when they whipped him. He obeyed when they plucked out his beard. He obeyed all the way to the cross voluntarily. He walked up Golgotha's hill naked and bleeding, obeying voluntarily. He took a real stand for you and me voluntarily. He obeyed. Here's the clincher. He didn't just obey to the point of death, but he obeyed to the point of a terrible death, the worst kind of death available in that day and I believe available to this day, the cross. He obeyed. He obeyed all the way through his life of 33 years. He obeyed at every turn. He obeyed submitting to his parents. He obeyed submitting to the teachers. He obeyed all the way through the beginning of his ministry, all the way through to the end. He obeyed, but then came the cross that made him sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in Gethsemane, the very thought of it, the very thought of being separated from God the Father for a moment's time, a moment's time, while he took our sins upon himself. And he obeyed all the way to stretching out his hands and his feet and being nailed to that cross, nailed to that tree. His obedience is incomprehensible. Because we weren't saying to him, oh, geez, you're just so wonderful. I just thank you for all that you have done and I love. No. Crucify him. Crucify him. Let me just drop something on you. It occurred to me this week. The cross was the first Christmas tree. You know why? Because it's the first tree associated with Christmas. It's the first tree associated with Christmas. Without that tree, there is no Christmas. And the cross was a tree. Jesus knew it was his destiny to die on that cross, to become a curse for us, that the curse of sin might be broken from off of our backs. He knew the cross was coming. He full well knew. Listen to what Paul said. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. One very pretty tree in the natural. It was a bloody tree. It was a torturous tree. It was an unattractive tree. It didn't have lights and gifts under it and all that. It had a gift on it. And it had a light on it. It says, when Jesus was born, he's the light of the world. So the first Christmas tree had a gift on it. God so loved the world, he gave. And it had a light on it. He's the light of the world. That's the first tree associated with Christmas. So when you look at your Christmas tree today, think about this. 
As Jesus got nearer to his arrest, the Bible says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets, he knew the prophets, he knew what they'd written about him. Everything written by the prophets about the Son of Man, me, will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Oh, the obedience of Jesus. Because you see, Jesus kept on obeying, knowing that what was coming was mocking, insulting, being spit upon, flogging, whipping, killing, being delivered over, betrayed by a follower. He knew all that was coming. Jesus knew this was coming. But he obeyed voluntarily. He was very well aware of what King David the psalmist had written concerning him. And the mind blower here, this verse I'm about to read, in David's day, in Isaiah's day, there was no crucifixion. There was no such thing. It was created later under the Romans. But watch this. David the psalmist writes in Psalm 22, right before the famous 23rd Psalm, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. That is direct prophecy. Predicting a manner of death that didn't exist when it was written. He also knew what the prophet Isaiah had written about him. Isaiah said, quote, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Both David and Isaiah saw the cross coming before the cross was and saw the Messiah dying by the cross before Messiah had been manifested in Bethlehem on that first Christmas morn. The first Christmas tree was that old rugged cross. And on that cross was God's gift on the tree, not under it, and the light of the world on that cross. That cross was the defining moment of all time. B.C. and A.D., divided by this man, Christ. The cross was God's nuclear bomb against hell. The cross destroyed the power of death and hell and the grave. The cross. On the cross, we were forgiven. On the cross, we were healed. On the cross, we were delivered. On the cross, we went from hell-bound to heaven-bound. On the cross, and because of the cross, Thank God for that old rugged cross. Thank God for the first tree. No wonder the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Another version, do you think we can risk hell by neglecting this magnificent salvation? It occurred to me this week, not that I didn't know it, but I thought of it in a different way. No one in history has ever been saved apart from Jesus. No one. No one's ever been saved by Buddha, saved by Muhammad, saved by Confucius, saved by any other man or woman. No one. There is only one name, only one man, only one personage in history that can save us. The one who died on that tree. God's gift. So here's the message of Christmas. Jesus emptied himself of his glory in heaven. 
He stepped out of eternity and made the long journey to earth. He wrapped himself in humanity's skin. He humbled himself, giving up the form of God to take on the form of a servant. He voluntarily obeyed the Father all the way to death, even the torturous death of the cross for you and you and you and you, all of you. He died for you. Your name was there. He knew you were coming. On that tree, he died for you and me. That tree contained God's gift and God's light. Then on the third day, he arose from the dead, victor over death, hell, and the grave. When we understand who he was, we understand why he came. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done, sir, with Jesus? Ma'am, what have you done with him? Well, I haven't done anything with him. Well, you've either accepted him or you've rejected him or you've ignored him or you've put him out here and said, well, someday. Someday is today. Because you know what? I'm not here today to point a finger at you, judge you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short, all of us. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm here to tell you that on that tree was a gift. And that gift was God's son. And he was the light that shines into the darkness of your life, your depression, your failures, your mistakes, your perplexities, your problems. He shines into there. Wow. Well, if Jesus could be obedient all the way to the gruesome, painful death on the cross, we too should strive to be obedient in our own lives, even if it hurts a little bit. I'm so thankful in this Christmas season for Jesus, the life of obedience that he lived out, and the example he left for us. He is indeed the captain of our salvation and the forerunner who has entered heaven ahead of us to make it ready for our home going. Here at Life Talk, we want nothing more than for you to experience success in your Christian life. And that's why we're making a very special offer to our Life Talk listeners. Here's our announcer to tell you more. Jesus was obedient is the last message of Pastor Jeff's series, Our King Has Come. You can own a copy of this four CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Our King Has Come, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. 
Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.